your finger at yourself and say, how am I like Israel? That's a tactic to use as you read through the Old Testament to help you stay grounded. Instead of saying, look at what a mess they were, ask God to show you, how does this show me myself? Why did you write this whole story for me and preserve it for me to be able to read it today? What is exactly that you want me to see and hear and know and understand from it? Hello, and thanks for being with us today on Study with Friends. Our recent studies have had us moving through the Old Testament to study the covenantal themes of land, descendants, and special relationship, and how they apply to us today. Our current series is continuing through the former prophets beginning in 1 Samuel. If you've missed any of these series or would like the homework to follow along with this one, head to our website, studywithfriends.org. We're also available to stream on the go using iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And now you can watch the ladies on YouTube. Now let's focus on God's word. Anything else you want to lift out of Deuteronomy 17? Generally speaking, because we're going to, um, we're going to go. Yeah, through. just interesting that he says, um, do not go back to Egypt to get horses. If you're going to, you know, you're not, not to acquire many horses, but don't go back to Egypt. Like, I don't want you going backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the horses thing, again, <laughs> again. Um, okay, let me explain it. Horses, re- what that really means, it's not about just uh, riding for um, pleasure. Right. Having a lot of horses, do you know what that would represent? Your, your strength, your yeah. ability your to strength, fight. Your or, ability yeah. to engage your troops. And so uh, what he's saying is don't amass strength in a worldly way. Remember that your strength comes from me. And in Judges, we see that again and again. In Joshua, we see it. So here we're seeing this in Deuteronomy. In Judges and in Joshua, we see miraculous ways. And we uh, a lot of scholars call God the divine warrior in those books because it is through him that victory is had. And he makes that very clear. He, he, he leaves no uh, question about whose victory each of these um, battles belongs to. Um, and so really miraculous things like the sun stayed still in the sky or the walls just came down or, uh, in the case of Gideon, they just broke, um, pots and, and blew trumpets. And these are, and, and their enemies were thrown into confusion, which by the way, is word for word, what God says will happen. Your enemies will be thrown into confusion. And so we have to take this, uh, work of Deuteronomy that God is building this foundation, a, so that they'll know when they're right and wrong. And B, because God is across all time, he already knows what's going to happen. And in the end, they sit in exile. And of course, the question is going to be, how did this happen? How did this happen? How did we who were elect of God uh, become so um, just shamed that that we were defeated and exiled from our own land? Uh, and so this is how that happened. And so God is leaving no question about why and how it's going to go. And when you look back, hindsight is so much clearer. Um, and when Israel looks back and when we look back, how did this happen? So uh, the one thing that I want to lift out, especially of Deuteronomy 17, is um, verse 14 and I'm asking you if you see any hints in there about why, what Israel was asking for and why. So just stay in 14. 
Kathy, would you read it for us again? Sure. When you enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you take possession of it and live in it, and you say, I will appoint a king over me like all the nations who are around me. Okay. What was Israel asking for? Don't overthink it. Okay. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no, when the homework is this dense, they want to be you're like, like, wait a minute, what is she really asking? Right. <laughs> right. They want to be like the nations. Yes. Yeah. That's why they asked for a king. Now, why would that be wrong? Because they're not. They're set apart. That's right. Say it louder. They're set apart. They're, they're not like the other nations. They're not be like the other right. nations. Right. The whole point of electing Israel was what? You were here for the Pentateuch. I'm looking at you. <laughs> They're God's people. Yep. And what were they supposed to accomplish in there? They're their... supposed to display that to all the other yeah. nations around them. Yes. To show the nations around them who God was and that he was. And God had all kinds of great plans of how he was going to let these people experience great blessings and great victories so that he could be glorified. But what they wanted was to be like everybody else, like a middle schooler, mm-hmm. right? Sure. They just wanted to be like everybody else. Don't stand out. Mm-hmm. Yes, don't stand out. But God said, I've chosen you to stand out, so stand out. And, 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 and frankly, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about me. And they forgot that. They abandoned that. Okay, so great. So now we understand why it was wrong for them to ask for a king, right? Do we really get it? Yep. Don't let me talk you into it. Yeah, we got it. Okay. Okay, so I think we can uh, then skip into our book right now, which is Samuel. And I'm going to ask you, um, uh, just from the homework, uh, actually, uh, can someone read, I know that I didn't assign this to anyone in advance, but can someone read just 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 12? Samuel, 1 Samuel 12, verse 12. I'm just hitting this more on the nose. So what I asked was, uh, how does this passage show us the sin of Israel in asking for a king? So let's read it. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 12. I have it if you want me to read Great, it. Great, thank you. If I have the right one. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Okay, so this, thank you. This is Samuel talking to Israel, annoyed. <laughs> and what is he saying? What, what is this? Um, how does this show us the sin of Israel in asking for a king? We're just putting a sharper point on what we already said, so don't overthink it. God was already their king. Yeah. And they wanted a physical representation. Right. They wanted somebody else. You know what it a little bit reminds me of is um, the debacle at the base of the mountain of Sinai. That they needed something to focus their worship on. And so they made this golden calf. And again, that was an episode of syncretism. A lot of people think that that was... um, they began to worship, but they they just wanted something to represent. They, it was it was an adding on to of their faith, not a not a dispelling their faith in God, but in adding something that made more sense to them that that made them more comfortable. Let's be honest, it made them more comfortable. And so this reminds me of that. They wanted a king that they could see That's and what hear. I keep it's tangible. They mm-hmm. want something. Yes, tangible, tangible is and a even great now, word. I feel like we want something tangible, right? So this is this. 
pie in the sky out there, God, but we want something literally right in front of us. Because yes. I hear all the time people say, wouldn't it be great if God actually spoke to you? <laughs> and like he barely spoke to anybody then. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but it's not tangible. We can't mm -hmm. feel it, taste it, touch it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you because I, again, I'm in the book of Exodus. And so I had that ability to read the golden calf again. And it doesn't say they turned from God. Mm -hmm. But they added that. Yeah, extra they wanted piece something they that was it more to see something in front of them. Maybe which I don't even want to say more real because yeah. he was so real to them, parting the seas. But but this just shows us our own humanness. Like I, I always say, don't point your finger at Israel and say what a mess they were. Point your finger at yourself and say, how am I like Israel? That's another way, Kathy, that yeah. just a way, a tactic to use as you read through the Old Testament to help you stay grounded. Instead of saying, look at what a mess they were, ask God to show you, how does this show me myself? What do you want me? Why did you write this whole story for me and preserve it for me to be able to read it today? And what is exactly that you want me to see and hear and know and understand from it? Um, thank you for saying that. Okay, Nan, uh, Nicole, can I ask you to read uh, Deuteronomy? So we keep coming back to Deuteronomy, and we're going to keep doing that. Deuteronomy 31 uh, verses 14 to 22. Sure. Thanks. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done because they have turned to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. Okay, so we'd actually dealt with this passage um, earlier but i would like you now and this is really going to be out of your homework if you did this i hope you did it um take the broader context of first samuel the entire chapter 12 and tell me if you were able to do any compare and contrast with the passage that nicole just read and just give me give me your thoughts on that That chapter 12 is like a meta fulfillment of the prophecy in Deuteronomy. It's like it shows the conditions of the Israelites' hearts and their spirits, like due to their turning away from God, um, rather than just summarizing their unfaithful actions. It like goes 
further into this is where they were at during it and this is where they're at now kind of like mm-hmm. the meme you referenced earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, how like it started how it's going yeah like instead of just saying like oh you did this it's like you did this and this is how your heart is like broken through that and like this is I think it was um 12 I think it was verse 12 that says yeah you s- or no no I'm thinking of something else there was a verse in here that like summarizes the whole chapter well and that's I wish I remembered what it was but it was one of those verses that got me to the idea that it's like a fulf- it's showing the fulfillment of the prophecy but not just by like giving the narrative but by actually like showing what was in within their their brains and their hearts mm-hmm. that's great thank you bella perfect anything else you guys want to add on that i see you wrote words on your yeah. paper <laughs> share your words i was just thinking god commissioned joshua instead of where they are demanding a king or asking for a king god already had a succession plan mm-hmm. he already knew that's good who was going to be the next one when Moses lies down with his fathers, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. I think if I was Moses to hear, you're going to lie down with your fathers. Like, I think I would try to make this conversation last a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he that did seems- have that long speech. Yeah, he had a lot to say at the end. I, yeah. I just, you know, you're, you're okay. It's imminent. Yeah. You know, that's. Oh, he was probably tired. He was probably ready. <laughs> Maybe. He was very old. Maybe. It's still the <laughs> unknown, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess. Just thinking, okay, now Joshua's going to take over. Mm-hmm. And so very clear succession plan. That's a really good way yeah, of saying it. He, mm-hmm. he already had it figured mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And he had Joshua, you know, was young and able-bodied where, where Moses, you know, certainly could have been capable of leading them into the promised land. But, you know, God had a plan to get them into the land to do, to have the military victories and um, there's a difference between a military leader and a king uh, who is to reign over a peaceful, we, were already, we are in the land and we are dwelling in the land. It's a bit of a different shade of different character on that leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like jo- Joshua was basically a military leader. He was a strategist. He, was, he listened to God, but then he led, he led the nation into these strategic um, battles and, you know, listening to God, 100 yeah. uh, percent. Different kind of leadership, though, Li- different, a different time in the, very in the in nation. Tune. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very in tune. Yeah. A good leader. Yeah. Joshua was a good leader. Mm-hmm. Moses was a good leader. Okay, you have some words on your page. Too. Yeah, I, I think what I just found interesting between the two of them, and I sort of went off the people because you know, obviously, we see there's fulfillment here, and I said it's the spiral. There's they start forsaking God, um, but then I I have in here what I find interesting is that they're forsaking God, his overall leadership, and yet they're asking him for a leader. So they're trusting that he's going to give them a leader, but they're like, this is what we want. So put into place what we want, even though we should really just want you. Mm-hmm. So I just, I find it fascinating that they trusted him enough to give him a good leader. And yet they didn't trust God enough to be the ultimate leader. Yeah. And so it just people, the way that we think. Yes. I was going to ask you to make that personal, but I, I will say that I'll, I'll try to make it personal. I'll be transparent. One of the ways that that shows up for me a lot 
is in the leadership of this ministry. And I often say, so I also run a software company. And in the difference between what I do here in the ministry is um, if I need to, as I run the software company, I have people uh, who are above me who I can call and be like, what do you think I should do? I mean, ultimately I'm in charge, uh, you know, for, of the day to day. But if I run into something, I have people I can go to and physical people who I can call or I use Slack or whatever. And I say, what do you think I should do? Or this is what I was thinking. Do you see any downsides? And I even talk to my team about that. I say, you know, humans, it's helpful to have someone who answers you with a human voice. And in the ministry, at the end of the day, I don't have that. I have a council, I have a board that I go to, and we talk things through. And that's, I think that's biblical. That's why we do it that way. And we make sure that we all are listening to God and we pray about something. We actually just prayed about something this week. Um, we took a vote yesterday via text, and I am uh, going to text them today because they all said yes, but it was not a resounding yes to this thing that we were considering doing. I said, you know, I think we, I'm, I'm going to tell them today, I think we need to just wait it out a little bit more because I think we have to have sureness that God is leading us in this next direction. And I didn't feel that sureness. Uh, and that is more challenging. I'm not going to, I mean, let me, Liz, this is not a surprise. It's more challenging to wait on the Lord seek him out in his word, seek him out in prayer, seek him out in the counsel of other believers than it is to just pick up the phone and ask somebody, what should we do? And I think maybe that's how Israel felt, yeah. that they were like, okay, I do trust you, God, but it would be so much easier for us if we just had somebody who sat on a physical throne who we could come to like the two women come to Solomon and Solomon's so wise when he figures out whose baby it really is. Like that's easier. It's just easier. Yeah. And I can relate to that. I can relate to that. It is harder for me to seek out the Lord and wait on the Lord and wait to be sure that I hear his voice, which I never really hear in an audible way, that's harder. Yeah. And so I can relate to that. You know, I don't get, I'm not mad at Israel for that. I know they, that that was wrong of them, but I can relate yeah. to why they wanted that. And especially as they look around and they see the other countries who have this leadership and they just want to, they want the easy way out. They want more than what God has already given them, which, you know, is wrong. Can you relate to that in any way? Wanting maybe more than what you can, I hate to ask it in a way that makes you look bad, but maybe maybe you can just jump in so I don't have to ask it in a way that makes you feel bad about it. Can I can completely relate. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly... Um, love to just be told what to do sometimes. And yet I'd also like to rebel against being told what to do sometimes as well. So there's that rub. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it's easier. And then we're also, and here, here's my thing, is maybe I'm less accountable as well, is if I can just say, well, my leader told me to do A, B, or C, because then I'm doing what my leader told me to do, and they're actually more accountable than I am. So yeah, I mean, in my sinful nature, I find that it's easier to be the person who just goes, Oh, they can take care of it. Yes. You know, and I, I, I really understand in my home, there are some things where I'm like, hand it to your dad. Your dad can take care of it. You know, cause I just, uh, whatever, for whatever reason, he's better at it than I am. And so there's a lot of comfort in that. 
and not being the one that has to be answered yes. to all the time. Yes. But we wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Like we recognize that Christ leads us and that the Holy Spirit leads us and that we have all the equipping that we need. We ha- maybe we recognize that in our head. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I mean, I can remember times in my life. Uh, one that sticks out right this minute is when our daughter, uh, our youngest daughter, Sophia, uh, was three and she needed eye surgery. And they basically said, this might work, this might not work. And it wasn't laser eye surgery. It was like scalpel surgery. And that was terrifying to make that decision as her parents to say, oh, yeah, take a knife to hurt my baby girl's eyes. And they were pretty transparent about this might not work. It depends on whether her brain resets. It was a long story, but her eyes didn't work together. So she would cross one to negate the image because we take for granted that our eyes, our brain assimilates two inputs. We don't talk about that ever, right? But I learned a lot about it when Sophia's didn't work that way. And Sophia would cross her eye. So, and it would, you know, one or the other, but whichever one she, you know, was she in a favor one necessarily. And so basically what they had to do was tighten the muscles so it made it harder for her to cross her eye. So they had to like detach. Uh, it was, I don't want to get into it anyway. So, but then they said, even when we do this, her brain might not reset. And so it may be that now we've given, taken away the ability for her to negate that one image. And for the rest of her life, she's dealing with two images. This was a very difficult decision for us to make. And I I jokingly say I got, we got like 14 second opinions, but at the end of the day, we had to make the decision. And I just had no peace, no peace, because as, as a mom, you, it's mom and dad, you're on the hook. Like if this happens to her and you make this decision, you're on the hook. And I remember very clearly um, saying, God, just tell me what to do. I'll do whatever you tell me, but just tell me what to do. And I was mad. I was like, why are you not just telling me what to do? And uh, uh, I've said, I've told the story in other, other sessions, so I won't get much deeper into it, but I ended up, um, you know, hearing from God out of his word. And just meditating, I just I just kept going in to the word. And I always say Psalm 139, that was where I went. It's where I often go. And I say to people, if you are looking for a word from God and you don't hear from him, read Psalm 139. And if you don't hear from him in there, read it again. Mm-hmm. It's one of your mom's favorites. Your mom and I talk about Psalm 139 all I the time. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, I was... I, I was blessed by God to hear very clearly out of that scripture and have peace moving forward. Uh, but it's harder to get there. It's harder to get there, especially when you're in crisis and you feel like I just need someone to tell me what to do. And so I can relate. I can relate to Israel. Um, and that's, I hope that's what we're trying to model here is instead of pointing our fingers at Israel, we we see that we, that Israel is a mirror. always so thankful for how timeless and timely God's Word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study just like you'll find at your local church. If you are in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. 
In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, freely you have received, freely give. We take that command serious here at Study With Friends, so we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends. Study with friends.